Everybody, and welcome back to episode 18 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Schultz, and I'm going to toss it over here to my co host on my left, the greatest designer of clothing that Gucci and Louis Vuitton wish they could have, <laughs> Nick Manila. I don't know if they want my like designs because those are pretty stupid. Who would be, <laughs> who is this guy? What is he doing? But uh, no, I enjoy doing that stuff. It's a fun way to you know put off doing schoolwork. So yeah, great way to segue into the latest episode. If you have not seen on our Instagram page, we have new merchandise that Nick actually designed himself. For all you Caps fans, you'll probably like that. Um, one of them is a shirt that says Ovi's Office with the logo using the office, and it's actually got the picture of Ovi taking the one timer. Got a lot of compliments on that, so go check that out. And the other one is. Actually, an idea from one of our friends, uh, Cam Schaefer. Yes, uh, a very good idea. Yeah, he had a picture of Kuznetsov doing the eagle celebration, but he actually put a physical headshot of an eagle on Kuzi. So we have that on the shop as well. Go check those out. Uh, go cop them. We got some big plans coming up for the podcast. Uh, any do, you know? Any purchases help? You know. Get us to do cooler shit, basically. Yeah. So we're um working on someone for you Islanders fans. I have a couple people that are diehard Islanders fans, sort of helping me out there because yes, they know that shit better than I do. And we got some Rangers ideas coming yeah. too. So they're coming, New Yorkers. We hear you. We love you. Yeah. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, um, it's all coming. We'll get so. there. Thanks for being patient with us, uh, dude. It feels like I don't know why it feels like two weeks since I've last like seen you. I know it's, it's been insane. a long one, and there's a lot that's gone on. Yes, indeed. So before we get to the news, uh, just want to let you guys know we are recording today on Sunday. Uh, we usually record on Mondays, but with travel schedules and stuff, it's uh, not going to work this week. So we're doing this a day earlier. So we apologize if there's any you know lack of super, super up-to-date news. But we're recording today on January 19th. And our interview today is actually one of my old assistant coaches, uh, Joey Vanakis, Towson alum. Calvary awesome Hall. interview. Yeah. Calvert Hall alum, played at a really high level, played with some super skilled guys. Um, probably the chillest dude of all time. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell in his voice when, yes. he, uh, when he comes on. But we have him coming on today. He came on with us uh, about three weeks ago when we just did the Dan, the Fins, and then we got him right after. So, uh, you know, we're carrying over from that. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Uh, you know, he's basically knows everybody in the fucking area uh, pertaining to hockey. So I thought he was a great interview, gave some good insight, had some cool stories, actually had some coaching experience. Uh, he was a coach at Navy Women's Hockey. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, he had some interesting perspective on that. So that interview will be coming to you after we get you caught up on the league news. Uh, and since we last spoke, uh, you guys remember last time a very hot topic was the Cassian Kachuk ordeal that went down in the Battle of Alberta. Well, since we last spoke, the league has finally come out with its assessment on the situation. Zach Cassian, two-game sussy. Yeah. So I think we all knew this was going to happen. 
I feel like you throw Cassian's reputation in here, mm-hmm. and that's where your two games comes from. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I look, you can't just grab someone by the horse collar and fucking yeah. ragdoll and beat the shit out of them on the back of their head. It's just not going to fly these days. I think it would have been a lot more had one it not been Kachuk, and two had there not been prior action to that, right? Because it yeah. kind of had a build up. So yes. I think Paris- that was brewing the whole game, and then it sort of just reached like its yeah. eruption point. Now this is interesting. There's two sides of the spectrum, and. Uh, you know, we read last episode, Solani and Upshaw were saying this is, you know, can't suspend him, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. They stand by that. And yes. then there's another side of this spectrum that says, hey, he could have, like, killed the guy had he hit his spine the wrong way. Seriously. Right? He should have gotten, yeah. like, 10 games, 15 games. Where do you – we already beat this to a dead horse a little bit, but where do you think the appropriate – I guess I think he should have been suspended because you can't, like you said, ragdoll a guy like that. Right, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, some of those hits that preceded it could be considered dangerous. I think I still think the first one was, mm-hmm. but I think it's important that um, Department of Player Safety steps in and says, especially when the guy's buckets off, you can't throw him down by his neck. Right, like because like you said, if he'd landed the wrong way, like on his neck, his back, like his head. I mean, God forbid something horrible could have happened. Yeah. Um, so it's just something, you know, I love the physicality of the game. I love when, you know, shit gets heated like that, but you don't want to see someone get hurt because yeah. of a play like that. Especially Kachuk. He's entertaining. Oh, shit. yeah, big time. I, I think, does, is he the biggest rat in the league now? I still think Marshan's won. Yeah. I still think Marshan's won. But I don't know what happened to Marshan's hands lately. Well, listen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll yeah. get to that in a second. Um, listen, you and me. I like Kachuk, and he's a rat. He could fuck with the Penguins as right. long as it doesn't hurt anybody. <clears throat> and I'd still like him. I yeah. genuinely hate Brad Marchand. Same. Just because it's like that was – Kachuk was a rookie, and he put up, what, like 50 points now? He's a Serious second, points, He's a yeah. second-year guy. He almost hit 80. Marchand started out as that fourth liner. Like, and then grew into and it. And then grew into it. Yeah. And I think that's why people still hate him is because they still view him as that, like, no-skill, yeah. you know, kind of mush-it-up kind of guy. Yeah. I, Granted, he's now a superstar, but yeah, for sure. Uh, and actually, he's someone that everybody should kind of look up to in a certain way. No, I, I'd like to think that if the um, the NHL sent players to the Olympics, I think Matt Kachuk would be a serious contender to make the American team. Oh, I think he, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he'd make it. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't say lock, but I'd say ninety yeah. percent chance. And yeah. I feel like the reason they would take him would be because of his physicality and his ability to stir the pot. I mean, yes, he can flat out play too, but yes, I think that adds so much more to his game. Absolutely. So I kind of agree with the two game suspension. Um, you know, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of what Cassian did. If you want to get back at Kachuk, hit him in the face when he's looking at you, or get yeah. him clean during the play. Um, two games. Yeah, I would have said maybe even one, but I'm all for the game policing itself. It's just you can't be Todd Bertuzzi and guys from the yes, back, you know. For so. sure. And the next time the Oilers and Flames meet will be in Edmonton on January 29th. That is a Wednesday night. That is can't miss television. And apparently Peros is going to be Peros is going to be at, at the, the game, game. Yeah, yeah, in so order to like police it. I that guess, is going to be. Yeah. A, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do unless he's going to like hop on the ice or some right. shit. But That'd be uh, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but that is going to be can't miss television. I am super excited for that. Uh, moving on to something that our Caps fans are going to want to jack themselves off to right about now. Ovechkin yesterday against the Islanders in a great comeback. The Caps Nick is actually stroking himself as I'm saying this. <laughs> uh, 
The Caps came back down from 4-1, scored five third-period goals to not only cover the plus-200 puck line, they also came back and ruined the Islanders' chances of gaining some ground on first place. Ovechkin had a hat-trick in that game. Uh, the third goal, the empty netter goal, he had basically did the swish celebration where he just shot it right by uh, the Islanders' bench. I thought that was a complete baller move. Scoring that hat-trick, he tied Mario Lemieux with 690 career goals. And then with his last two goals, he actually surpassed Mario and is now tied with Steve Eiserman with 692 career goals. Since 2005, when Ovechkin entered the league, he has 26 hat-tricks. That is more than the following franchises in that time span. The Colorado Avalanche have 24 hat-tricks since 2005. The Minnesota Wild, 19. The New Jersey Devils, 19. Alex Ovechkin, 26. That's insane. That is ridiculous numbers. He's like, one, he's red hot right now. Two, we're at that point where... Two two games with a hat-trick in a row. Yes, where he's done that, like, I think they said the stat on... um, uh, the NBCSN broadcast the other day. I think he's done that like four times in his career where he's had back-to-back hat tricks, <laughs> which is insane. just absurd. Yeah, um, We're at that point now where we look at who he's going to be passing mm-hmm. over the next Oh, they're going to suck his dick so I, hard. But like the names that we're starting to get passed now, like he passed Timu last yeah. week, now Mario. Mario. Yep. Now we're tied with Stevie Y. And yeah. like, you know, up next I think is... Mike Gartner after that, yeah. which is insane. Well, he's only eight away from 700. I think right. there's only seven guys all the time. He, in the next 82 games that he plays between now and next season, he will get into the top six, I think. Yes. And then after right. that, it is... After that, it's when it's tough. Yeah, we'll see how it works. Yeah. I read something on Twitter that if he were to score 18 more goals this year, which would get him to... Well, at the time, the tweet was sent out 50 goals. Okay. Right? He gets 50 goals this season, which it looks like is... Completely in the realm of possibility. Yeah. In the next six seasons, in this order, he could get 50, 40, 30, 30, 20, 20. Yep. And if he did that, he'd break Gretzky's record. Yes. Can Ovechkin do that at 40? I I, I probably would have said no, but this guy doesn't ever fucking slow down, so... Who knows? I don't know. It's, it's no. It's time to start doing some math. Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's time to get the calculator right. out after every game. So, yeah. big comeback. I'll let you cover more of that in the State of the Union when yes. we get to that. But Ovechkin has officially passed Super Mario. Granted, it took him like 182 more games. But who cares? <laughs> um, I knew that was coming. In other news, in the Metro Division, the Columbus Blue Jackets are the Cinderella story of the NHL this year. They are in the first wild card spot as of right now. Who in the fuck would have guessed this? Not us, because we said they were going to suck at the beginning of this year. I would have loved to seen a Vegas line where Columbus you bet to make the playoffs. Columbus to make the playoffs. I can't imagine what that would have looked like, but it probably is somewhere in the realm of like plus seven hundred something. Seriously, like that. Uh, their backup goalie. Well, not backup anymore. Uh, Elvis. Fuck, what's his last name? Doesn't need a last name. Okay. When your first name is Elvis, that's yeah. good enough. <laughs> I can't even begin to pronounce this. It's something Finnish, I believe. Their goalie's first name, who is Elvis, is playing lights out right now. 41 yeah. save shutout last night against the Devils, I believe. Yes, sir. Uh, unbelievable performance. He looks incredible. They're just rallying around torts. Yeah. Really no, seriously, doing. I think that's what it is. I think you can attribute all this team's success in the last two years to coaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the the misfits when Vegas was there, right? This is uh, Yes. These are kind of the guys who 
meh, they're the jackets, The whatever. system works. They buy into the system, and it shows. Yeah. They have the ability to blow teams out, like, you know, 5 nothing against the Devils last night, or they can just flat out outwork you, too. Yeah, I mean, this Elvis guy, he's been, I think in his last 10, he's got eight wins. I mean, the jackets look really good. Uh, this is like one of those teams where if they make the playoffs in a wild card spot, you cannot overlook them because they have that recipe for playoff success. Like oh, they yeah. can outgrind you. They have big bodies, and they have a hot young goaltender. Well, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They've won four in a row. And here are the list of teams that they're ahead of in the standings right now. Imagine I would have told you this at the start of the year. The Philadelphia Flyers. Wow. Carolina Hurricanes, Eastern Conference Finals last year. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Yikes. The Buffalo Sabres. Think about the start that they got off to. The New York Rangers. And the New Jersey Devils, who everyone said at the start of the year was going to be you know, in the Playoff playoffs. Team. So. Yeah. I mean, Columbus is coming. Uh, they've got right now 58 points in 49 games played. They are right on the Islanders' tail pretty much. Uh, granted, the Islanders have two games in hand, but they're two points behind the Isles. So something to keep an eye on going forward. Columbus looks I think, like, you know, obviously the big question for them is can they sustain this for the next couple, like, months to solidify a playoff spot? Can Elvis stay hot? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I got to fucking figure out how to pronounce his right. last name. Next next episode, I promise I will figure that out and look it up somehow. Uh, but going on the opposite coast, uh, over in the Pacific, the Canucks. The Canucks are in first place. First place in the Pacific Division this as division of Sunday. This division is like the Wild West, man. It, it is in, nuts. Yeah. So I think last episode you were mentioning how – the difference between first and last place was like two or three it points. It was like five teams were within four points. Well, not much has changed yeah. in a week. So right now, the Pacific Division, Vancouver sits atop with 58 points. Second and third place, Calgary and Edmonton are tied. And then fourth and fifth place in the two wildcard teams right now, Vegas and Arizona. And we'll get to Vegas in a second because there's been a lot of news out of there over the past week. Uh are right there. So the difference between first and fifth place is one point. That's insane. One point. That's insane. It's going to be an interesting ride going forward. This division has all the storylines. The Calgary-Edmonton rivalry, they still got two games against each other and are tied in the standings. Vegas with the coaching change that we'll touch on in a second. Arizona going all in for Taylor Hall. And then Vancouver, just the young kids just kind of getting it done, going out there and balling out and getting it done. Uh, they have the second best home record in the league this season. They won me a money line or puck line and money line last night. Thank you very much. Thank San Jose for coming. Uh, Sixteen five and three is their record at home. So something to keep an eye on. Going Definitely, forward. I think all those teams, their mindset coming out of this All Star break is going to be like, we need to get out in front now. This is too close. Yes, like we need to start putting together our push yeah. right now. I'm be curious to see if Vancouver has a big name that they go after at the deadline. One of the names that I have read up about that is potentially on the trade block is Minnesota's Matt Dumba. I've read that. And I've read that Matt Dumba and Quinn Hughes on the same blue line. Just think about that. That would be sick. I've read that Columbus is in on him, and I've read that Vancouver is in on him. Uh, So that should be interesting to see going forward. If I called that, no one has talked about Matt Dumba getting traded. We are the first podcast. I am the first person. (laughs) I am breaking trade rumors. Let it be known. Yes. Uh, If Matt Dumba gets traded to one of these two teams before the trade deadline, I am officially a genius, and we are a recognized source in the hockey world. (laughs) How about that? Deal. I'll take it. um, I'd be interested to see if they went after another forward. I feel like that's not their problem right now because it seems like they can score. I know at the beginning of the year there was talks about them going after like 
Chris Kreider, mm-hmm. who I, you could say that about pretty much every team that's looking to add like a Jason Zucker and yeah, exactly. another name. So we'll see how it goes uh, down the stretch here. But just figured we'd get you a little up to date on the time zone that none of us can stay up late enough to watch. As we mentioned, Vegas. Huge, huge. This news one came out of, Vegas. out of absolutely nowhere. Too. So Vegas shit can Gerard Gallant and immediately replaced with Peter DeBoer, the yeah. old coach of their rival, the San Jose Sharks. And I know a lot of Knights fans were pretty pissed off about this. Yes, Knights Twitter was on fire. Yeah. So they were very upset. I think this is kind of one of those things where, like, this would be similar to if the Caps hired Mike Sullivan. Yeah, I don't know if things. it's like that. Yes, that's probably not quite to that degree. Not to that degree, but along that same yes, you know, lines. Yes, but yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I was a little bit surprised. I think we all were. I thought we all were like, "Oh, Gallant's a good coach. He took this team to the Cup final in their first year. Yeah. Like he's in year two. Why would you get rid of him?" Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, DeBoer's a good coach. You know, his last like couple situations haven't gone great, mm-hmm. but. I don't know. I have a lot of question marks around this one. The timing just, you know, it seemed to come out of nowhere. So unless there's something we don't know, you know, I guess those guys at, you know, the upper level thought it was a good move, but I don't. Perhaps. Uh, the A lot of people are speculating that management thought DeBoer would be a better fit than Gallant. DeBoer's known more as a dictator. Yeah. And Gallant's known more as a player's coach. Big time. I think people like Gallant. I've never heard a bad word about the dude. No. Especially when he left Florida. Like, Aaron Eckblad was very vocal yes. about how much he liked him. This is... I don't know... I'm usually for midseason coaching swaps because we've seen it. Dan Bilesma, 09. Mike Sullivan, 2016. Um, Craig Berube last yes. year, right? It's It seems like... It's not out of the realm of possibility to even like the Babcock thing this year. Like I mean, yeah, yeah, like Toronto's like flatlined a little bit lately, but right. I mean, it, they went on an absolute run after they got rid of them. Yeah, you can get shot out of a cannon real quick. So. My thing is like, do you think that they thought they should be so much further ahead in the Pacific and panicked? Probably. I th- I yeah. honest to God, I think I think they look at their roster and say, how are we not ten points ahead in first place with how we? Not that the Pacific is weak, but. There's no that was the division weights. that yeah. we said, like, if you're going to bet on a team to win a division, bet on the Knights because this is a lock. Right, and it just hasn't really gone that way this year. And, you know, uh, Gallant's, I think, had some questionable moves from management. William Carlson has not had the type of season he had since the first year. Fluke. And he's still getting yeah. o- about 20 minutes a night almost. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's some question marks there. I'm not totally sure i understand the motive behind this like you said there's maybe something there that we don't know but i think this is going to backfire on them i don't think this I is going to so jump start them. i mean is it crazy for me to say that they could miss the playoffs i mean with the way that division's going no i mean the the playoff race is really tight to put it in perspective the two wildcard teams right now are vegas and arizona both with 57 points and then right behind them Winnipeg with 54, Chicago with 52, Nashville with 51. Still a little bit of a margin there, but, I mean, Nashville could flip a switch at any second, right? Um, I'm surprised to see Chicago up there, and Winnipeg's more than capable. So we'll see how it goes. I, I, I think if they do miss the playoffs, you aside from maybe the players, you can 100% put the blame on oh, management. the management. That for roster's stacked. It's insane. They're yeah. stacked. I don't understand why they're not doing better. Like I said, my take is they might. I think they'll still make the playoffs, but I don't think this is going to jumpstart the team 
like management is thinking it's going to do. No. And I'm not – I mean, granted, DeBoer has a pretty good track record, right? Took San Jose to Stanley Cup, lost. Took New Jersey to Stanley Cup against the Kings in 2012. Yep. Lost, right? Um, there might be a team before that, too. I can't really remember. I'm drawing a blank. But, I mean, he's he's gotten two teams to Stanley Cup Finals in his coaching tenure. I mean, Gallant did it with the expansion draft, but we'll see how it goes going forward. I don't really think DeBoer would be that much better of a fit than Gallant. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, moving on, Sidney Crosby is back. I think, like, what happened, you know, I was thinking about this this week. I think Ovi and Crosby are like, I'm tired of hearing about McKinnon. I'm tired of hearing about Matthews, yeah. Eichel, and McDavid. The old dogs come yeah. out. Remember us? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Because they're still, do- like, yeah. you could, I wouldn't call you crazy if you said these two guys are still the ones I want. The, I mean, both of them have just gone off. I mean, Crosby's assist the, off the back of the net pass was just. <laughs> Rest in peace to Ryan Donato and your ankles. For those of you who didn't see the highlights, Sid was behind the net, basically going one way, pretty much stopped on a dime. Did a backhand behind the back bounce off the back of the cage? Donato went spinning. Crosby got it back on his forehand. Went the opposite way around the net. Found, literally put like two point six seven eight eight five nine millimeters of sauce on this. <laughs> Floats it right over the goalie stick, yeah. right over to I think Cahoon, and just yeah. rip Daddy bar down. And it's just like what. I just imagine you like pausing your TV, pulling out a tape measure, and like measuring. I brought the, the protractor out. I was measuring the angle of sauce. You gotta be you're fucking right. Unreal assist. Four points against the Wild in his return, and then they played the Red Wings the other night, and he had the game-winning overtime goal on that. I mean, Penguins were already rolling before that. Uh, they're still kind of rolling. They had a tough loss to Boston the night, but that's expected, and they play them today at twelve thirty again. I'm expecting a big bounce back game from them. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what goes. Every sign is saying the Penguins are just going to keep roaring. And I would say at the rate they're going, they very well could win the division. Especially so with too. Especially with four games left against the Caps. Yes. Um, Which, you know, okay, NHL, you're it's starting to line up the way you wanted it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. Yes, They exactly. knew the standings would be tight. And, the, I mean, we're about to hit Super Bowl Sunday, and that's the first time that I'm going to – Say, I mean, this is the first time that the Caps versus Pens are going to play. Yeah. So four games. That'll be and, a fun episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it will be, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's when you guys are really going to see the true colors come right. out. <laughs> I'd um, like to think that we would do something either like for the game or before the game. I don't know. We'll get back to you about that. But I think there's some fun stuff that we could do for that. Yeah. Well, the good news is, and NHL, props to you, you plan this great again. All four Penguins-Caps games are on a Saturday or Sunday. That's awesome. Uh, so Prime time. And I, they're all afternoon games. None yep. of them are night games. Yeah. So uh, we'll get, be getting at it early. Uh, not to beat a dead horse with the Penguins, but Evgeny Malkin. When are we going to start talking about potential MVP candidate? What does he have to do? Um, I know he was hurt. I know yeah. you got to put up a ton of points. McDavid, dry blah, blah, blah. I think you blah. could. Based on the season he's had, you could probably put him in the conversation for it. I feel like he's just going to get overshadowed by the season that Mac is having. Yeah, Mac, Dreisaitl, McJesus, whoever. Malkin right now, 15 goals and 34 points. uh, Or I'm sorry, 15 goals, 34 assists, and 49 points total in 35 games played. Put it in perspective, he's one less point behind Ovi in 14 less games played. Yeah. I mean, he's rolling. He's been carrying the brunt of that point load for the Penguins for yeah pretty much every game that he hasn't been hurt this year. Yep. 
He is right now 17th in the league in points. I think if he makes a serious push into the top eight in points, then I think he will get a couple votes. I don't yeah. think he'll win it, but I think he should at least be in the conversation. I agree. Uh, and speaking of McDavid and Dreisaitl, I'm officially declaring that Edmonton is going to make the playoffs this year. Really? I think the Pacific is weak enough where they're going to actually finally do it. Wild card, or do you think they actually get in on no. like, the third spot? No, I think they're going to get in in the second spot. Dead wow. ser- I, right. So Vancouver's got 58 points, like I said, and then it's a uh, tie for second and third place with Calgary and Edmonton. I think Calgary has lit a match under Edmonton that they didn't want to light, and I'm seriously thinking Edmonton's going to go on a roll here. I just hope they play each other in the playoffs. Oh, my God. I would like (laughs) – I would – I'd watch those games over pretty much anything else. If it's anything but Penguins caps, yeah, that's that's happening. Yeah, oh, sure. I, that's worth staying up late for. No, that would be an amazing first round. Yeah, uh, I think the NHL would have wet dreams about that pretty oh, much for sure, um, and nightmares. <laughs> yeah, well, Batman's probably stroking it right yeah, now. Everyone's suspended for a week, and uh, Paris's job. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it just works like just like popping Xanax. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> these kids. <laughs> it's like, hey, Chucky, can you chill out with right. Caskin over here? Um, yeah, I think Edmonton's going to make the playoffs. I think we're going to have Connor McDavid back in the playoffs, which is obviously a good thing for yeah. the league. Um, something else, I mean, maybe some of you check the NHL stat leaders every day of your lives. I, for one, don't. I check it pretty much right before we record this. Check it every other day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Artemi Panarin tied for fourth in the league in points with David Pasternak with 68 points. Uh, I knew Panarin was having a good year in New York. I guess I didn't realize he was having this good of a year in New York. He hit five the other night, right? Yeah. The bread man is looking beastly right now, so uh, I don't think he's getting talked about enough. I know the Rangers have you know, kind of cooled off since their push right after the new year, but uh, what are they looking at right now? Yeah, they're fourth to last in the East. They're, seven, they're eight points out of a playoff spot, so they still got a little bit of work to do, but something to look at going forward. And since most of our listeners are American, except for that one weird Czechoslovakia guy, (laughs) shout out to you, buddy, Uh, Austin Matthews is now the first American ever in NHL history to start off his career with four consecutive 30-goal seasons. That's awesome. He had a hat-trick the other day against, I can't remember who the game was against. Yeah, I don't remember. Regardless, that he had a hat trick earlier this week. That was his first hat trick since his opening rookie night with his four goal performance against the Ottawa Senators. I don't know why debut. I thought he had another one in there, but you would I, think, right? I think like the amount of two goal games he's had is probably in the double digits. Oh, easily. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Not a hat trick since his rookie debut. Yeah, they put up four that night in a legendary debut. Yeah, uh, that was wild. Yeah, injury bug. Uh, the big one, uh, Dougie Hamilton, Canes fans, this is going to hurt. Uh, he's out for three months with a broken fibula. Awkward video, if you haven't seen it. Just uh, Brutal. Yeah, Don't hard, watch it. Hard you... to watch. Yeah, uh, Just kind of like went into the boards and like kind of like under him, and then he came down on it. Just like one of those. It's a knee bend that yeah. you, if you get queasy easy, you don't want to watch it. Yeah. Um, so this is going to hurt. I mean, aside from John Carlson, I know there was a lot he's of talk around. Like he's having like a Norris caliber season, so – uh, this will be interesting to see if you know Carolina can hang on or if they sort of fall off the face of the earth after something like this. Yeah, it should be interesting. It sucks for him. Uh, I mean, he got pretty he got pretty lit up last year. Uh, 
again in the series against the Caps, wasn't there a, a play where he like shied away from Ovi because he was scared of him or something? Like he, when they went in the there corner? was a couple times where he either didn't hit someone who he could have just like taken the body and eliminated the play, or didn't have like his stick in the lane or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like two or three times he got like torched on like a backdoor pass. Right. Um, so. I know he got a lot of heat for it. He also, like, you know, I think he scored a decent amount in that series, too. Yeah, he so, did. I just remember, um, that I think it was game five against the Caps. He, did, he didn't hit Ovechkin. Or yeah. Ovechkin scared him, and he, I mean, every NHL analyst was all over him. Yes. And now he's had this breakout year, and kind of yeah. sucks. I mean, you know, just kind of sucks for Keynes, man, so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the major injury for the week. We are now going to go to the State of the Union's. Alrighty, so um, as you touched on, Ovi is, you know, he looks like 06, 07 Ovi right now. Yeah. Um, these are his last three games. He had two goals against the Canes, three goals against the Devils, and then three <laughs> against the Islanders. Uh, you do the math. As we mentioned, he passed Mario, and now he's tied with Stevie Y. Ever heard of him? Um, the Caps, solid win against the Canes on Monday. That was uh, Sammy's first NHL shutout. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I thought he played lights out. Couple big time saves in that game. Ovi has two. Caps win two nothing. Uh, they had a revenge win against the Devils on Thursday. Uh, of course, you know the game I went to a week prior. <laughs> they lost five one. They come around and beat the Devils five to two. Um, couple minutes into the game, Miles Wood high sticks Ovi in the face. Uh, no call. Ovi gets pissed off and just goes out and fires three. That like slap shot one timer. I, I, I genuinely don't think there was a goalie. Now or ever, that could have no, even touched it's like that. right over the shoulder, too. Like, like, when I say bar down, it literally was the most perfect slap shot placement I've ever yes. seen. And it was a bomb. Like, yeah, like the, the reaction from, I think it was um, Mrazic, was just like, yeah. like what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, like, Carlson literally laid it on a fucking 12-ounce New York steak platter. Seriously. And Ovi just put every Ding, sauce on God's you know, order green up, earth there on there go. and just ripped it. Yeah. Um, so big revenge win against the devils. You know, we've seen this before. There was that game, uh, in like, Oh eight, I think where OV, someone broke his nose on the Habs and the then Canadians, he, he, he went off, went off, scored four, including the overtime winner. So don't poke the bear guys. Come on. Yeah. Like you're just going to get torched if you do, uh, in the game against the devils, Schneider actually came in in relief of Deming and I thought he looked okay. Saw so that, yeah. good to see that. Good for him. Uh, epic comeback against the Islanders in Nassau Coliseum. Devon Taves, what are you doing? <laughs> Islanders go up 4-1. Devon Taves does the koozie bird selly, and I think like you just screwed yourself. Shameless plug, go buy the Russian Eagle shirt right yes. now in response to this Yeah, <laughs> on our site. Um, I was texting with uh, one of my buddies, Mike, who's from, uh, he's from Long Island, and he was like, why would he do that? He's it's, like, we're yeah. up four to one. Why would you do that? Poke the bear, man. Don't mess with the bull. You get the horns. Um, Caps come back five goals in the third period. That's enough said. So they look good. I was, you know, texting my dad when the Caps were down four to one. And I was like, you know, they kind of look like shit right now. Um, still some big question marks around Braden Holpe, but hopefully he can kind of play out of the slump that he's in right now. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk about just letting him walk. You well, know, it's, not getting anything for him. Yeah, it's. The expansion draft thing, then people are saying, like, don't just let him go at the expansion draft. You should trade him and get something for him, but I don't know. No, I mean, honestly, I keep him this year and let him walk because yeah. God forbid that Ilya, you know, kind of choke or have a rookie slump. Yes. 
you have like a for sure fire backup there. Yeah, because I think like he's right, still the number one. Right. I think right now, if the playoffs started, you'd probably go Holtz. Yeah. And then if like it gets shaky, then you throw Sammy in there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it, look, it's your. This is your. I don't want to say your last kick at the can, but this is your. I thought yesterday was a statement game for him, and he got was. shelled. This is so. your best chance to get a second cup. Yes, that you're probably going to have until Ovi's done. Yes, this is this is, this is kind of like for your, sure. That doesn't mean you can't win one in the future with a not as good of a team, but this is the best team yes. until the day Ovechkin retires. Absolutely. That you're going to have just because you got Holtz, Backy, Carlson, yes. Oshie, Vrunt, like all these guys. It's just like you know you can't keep that together forever. No, absolutely and you got two not. stud goalies. Yes. And I trust me, I know how much that can help you in the playoffs. Yes. So I'd keep him, let him walk. Yeah. And as you service. said, um. As you said last week, you know, the NHL is becoming such a two-goalie league now. It's not like when Patrick Waugh and Marty Brodeur yeah. would, you know, play 60-some games and then every game in the playoffs. Back up who? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, I think their depth chart read. It's like, if we don't have Marty, we're fucked. <laughs> um, this week coming up for the Caps to get back on track, nothing because the Caps schedule is a disaster and the most inconsistent thing ever, and we have the All-Star break. So, Yep, All-Star break is coming this week, so we'll get to that when we uh, touch on the gambling corner. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Pens, yeah. Uh, Penguins. Two games since the last time we spoke. Uh, we played the Wild, and we played the Bru- – actually, three games, my bad. Penguins played the Wild, the Bruins, and the Wings. Two and one in that span. Had a tough loss to the Bruins. Uh, you know, it happens, but whatever. We got them again today at 1230. Hopefully that's a revenge game. I was astonished at the fact that we had to take Detroit to overtime to beat them. I don't care because we won. But at the end of the day, I was expecting a better performance. Granted, it was the second of a back-to-back on that night. Matt Murray did get another win. He's actually 3-0 and in his last three. Seems to somewhat be turning around the corner. Um, so, you know, that's always good. And like I mentioned, we dummied the Wild and Sid's return. Uh, you know, Malkin and Sid just pretty much dominated that game. It was one of those games where you're like, we have been so blessed for 15 years. I This is why I love hockey so much. <laughs> um, but, you know, we haven't really had much action other than that. We got the Bruins again today on Sunday at 1230. And then we have the Flyers on Tuesday right before the All-Star break. And then after that, we have to wait a little while. So against the Flyers, that game's going to be in Philly. Uh, that's going to be a tough game. If it was in Pitt, I'd be a lot more confident, but the Flyers are really good at home. That might be – I would say that it's above a 50% chance that's an overtime game. If you're feeling frisky, bet the game to overtime. Um, Carter Hart is injured, actually. Yes, I just remembered yeah. that we put, didn't put him on the injury bug, so we're adding him now. Uh, he's going to be out for two to three weeks. So I don't know who their backup is. Is it Brian Elliott? I think so. Okay, so yeah. Elliott will probably get the start. I would imagine that Jari is probably going to get the start. We'll see how it goes. Um, tough two games ahead. All-star break is much needed. Uh, thankfully, Sid and Gina are going to get some rest. So I don't really have much else other than that. They've only played three games. Nothing too eventful since the last time we talked with them. Nice. So, uh, and now... We are going to toss it off to the interview that we had with Joey a couple weeks back. Hopefully you guys enjoy this one. Uh, I think he's got some experiences that are a little bit different from what you know some of our previous guests have had. Uh, we've pretty Definitely. much had, you know our sta- our standard guest is you know a Maryland born hockey player who goes and plays in college and then talks about their stories. Joey went on to coach. He's played at a really high level. 
Um, and, you know, I just think he has some great insight on both sides of the game from a player's perspective and coaching perspective. Definitely. English is tough today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so without further ado, we're going to toss it off to Joey right now. Enjoy. We are now pleased to welcome to the Empty Betters podcast one of my former assistant coaches, I believe, yeah, uh, and good friend Joey Vanakis. Joey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, yeah. of course. It's a Appreciate pleasure to sit down with you. Anyone that's dealt with Harrison <laughs> and coaching Harrison, I don't know how you did it, but, you know, kudos. Yeah, God bless you. Oh, he, uh, he used to snap it around. Uh, uh, yeah, I had my moments. Yeah, uh, back I, in the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm not snapping Dieter passes, right. but I, I had a couple good moments. Not too many people are, though. Yeah, that's a fair point. So, uh, Joe, you know, I actually would say, even though we went to the same high school and you're a little bit older than me and I got to know you decently well when I was playing and growing up, I don't know much about your background. So, if you want to touch on, you know, how you got into hockey, where you grew up, where it all started... Yeah, the first uh, first session actually was at Ice World, mm-hmm. Slusher Brothers. Um, they had gotten us started. I think Ed was the hockey director. Um, might have been like a year or two, and we just kind of got out there. No clue what I was doing. I was wearing like street <laughs> hockey equipment nice. uh, for hockey basics. Yeah. So I was there for like two sessions. And then finally, um, one of my really good buddies, Mark Sergi, who yeah. helped coach as well mm-hmm. at Calvert Hall, he, he said, you should try out for travel. And we're like, well, what are you talking about? Like, what is this? We had no clue what we're doing. Like, no hockey background whatsoever. My dad's from Greece. Yeah. Mom's local. We're just like, all right, let's give it a whirl. So we try out, play there one year, and I was hooked. Like, really? it was just, oh, it was insane. Like, we went and saw a couple Baltimore Bandit games, like, mm-hmm. way back in the yep. day. I literally just found the story out a couple of days ago and I could not get my eyes off the game and the cheerleaders. That's what my dad told me. So <laughs> it was literally just watching that. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. We need more ice girls. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. So you started hockey basics at ice world with slusher. When did you start to play organized hockey? Who was it for? So the Patriots, Tom, Tom Gendris. Where are the Patriots from? I never heard that. They actually, they were only around for two years. Oh, that's why um, I never heard that. I was, yeah, that I was a part of. And that was, geez, that was way back. That was probably in 2001. Okay. Um, so they lasted for two years. Mm-hmm. I think they had lasted longer, but for me it was for two years. And then after that, I played on a different club pretty much every year. Wow. So you're like a little suitcase almost. Basically a suitcase youth <laughs> hockey player, yeah. yeah. So do you want to touch on the teams that you went? I mean, some of the crazy shit you saw? Yeah, I, um, I lucked out. I had some awesome coaches. I think of all the years I played from the time I was a mite to um, my 18U year, I had, I'm going to say it was like three um, parent coaches. Mm-hmm. Like wow. Head coaches. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's like unheard of, right? Yeah. Where most yeah. of the time it's, you know, someone's dad that's just kind of helping out. But even the parent coaches I had were awesome. Mm-hmm. It was always non-parent coaches that were just volunteering their time. Uh, and I, I mean, I really had a good experience. I just had so much fun doing it. They really just let us play. That was the biggest thing. That's why I really liked, you know, coaches in general. It was just a good experience. They just let us play. Right. I feel like sometimes that's the best way to have you learn the game. 100%. Just get out there, like, you know, make your mistake, learn from it, you know. Then they'll tell you, you know, this is what you should have done. But they're not going to be, you know, harping on you for every little tiny thing. Yeah, they'll definitely let you know when you're yeah. doing something wrong. Oh, yeah. They'll <laughs> let you know when you're doing something right, too. So, I, I mean, like I said, it was, it was pretty easy just – going out and playing like this yeah. is all about what were some of the club uh 
teams that you played on while you were bouncing back and forth? So, yeah, definitely a suitcase youth hockey player. I was with Baltimore, Howard, um, let's see, uh, Team Maryland, Little Flyers, wow. Uh, wow. York Devils for a year, 18 new year. Um, so you played for every club team, uh, for right. every guest <laughs> yeah. we've ever had. I traveled the entire CBHL <laughs> and covered every club. Uh, no, but yeah, it was it was one of those things where I would have played for the Patriots from might to midget, yeah. uh, but they folded. And once that happened, it was just finding a place where it was going to work for us at the time. And I had uh, two younger brothers that played too, so oh, they yeah. were just kind of wherever they could play to make it yep. easier on my parents as far as driving. A hundred percent. Yeah. So was it kind of like you, did you like lead the way for your younger brothers, like where you played, they had to play or was it for the Patriots? Yeah. They, um, the Tom Gendrus who was, was running the show there. Uh, he basically said, we're, you know, all these kids that are watching that are running around the rink, they, you know, they should get a chance to play too. Mm-hmm. And they called it mighty mites. So they were kids <laughs> that could only play non-league games. Huh. And it was basically all the younger siblings. There's like three or four of them that would just kind of hang out and watch. Yeah. And they would suit up for some of the games. They'd toss like, you know, whatever backup jerseys they had. So they would play in some of the games too. So we had like, you know, there's seven, eight-year-olds. And then there's like a five or a four-year-old. <laughs> that's awesome. That's like suiting up for non-league games. That's and so cool. Like, oh, it was so much fun. Like yeah. that was the first experience playing with, you know, your siblings. Right. And it was pretty cool. That's a great way to grow the game. Yeah, I'm seriously. I'm surprised that's not done more. Yeah. Um. So – Without keeping you here for five and a half hours talking about all the club teams you played on, you know, at on which club team would you say was your best experience? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would have to say that Patriot year. That yeah. that kind of started off. We we had a really good group of guys. How old were you when that happened? I was. I think I just turned seven. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was seven, and I had two years there, and we had this group that, I mean, to say the least, we all still play adult league at some point when we come back for the holidays together. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. From so we seven had, years old. From seven years old. Yeah. We actually, we lucked out. That's when I uh, played at Towson. We had about, I'm going to say it was like six or seven guys that started from when we were mites all the way through to Towson. So that's awesome. It's, you know, got to be so some cool. sort of record. If yeah, we had any records. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, and that's what Nick and I always say about you know, the Baltimore hockey area is that everybody kind of knows everybody and it almost feels like everybody gets brought up through the same kind of roots. And, you know, there's little changes here or there, but for the most part, I mean, that's, that's six or seven's unheard of, but it's not unheard of for guys, you know, maybe two or three who come up like that. Yeah. Six or seven's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we had all really good experiences. It was, it was them just letting us play and, um, you know, you make decisions. You got to figure out what you're going to do after because hockey doesn't last forever. Mm-hmm. And we decided, like, let's just all stay together and play here, have fun, live down the street on, on York Road and, nice. and, and have some fun. Oh, yeah. So I think if my memory serves me correct, you went to Baltimore after and Howard after that. Were those both before you got to Calvert Hall? Yeah. So I was playing uh, like we had super teams. <laughs> every, pretty much every year was just, like putting together a super team where – we went, I think we went like undefeated for the Baltimore year. Really? Yeah, we had. That's unheard of for Baltimore too. Oh, uh, we had just a bunch of athletes. Like it was just a, a really good group of kids, really good group of parents. I would say that was the best part. So we were, we were pretty successful. Like we would go to the district championships pretty mm-hmm. much every year, um, whether it was Howard or Baltimore or whatever. And from there, it pretty much just kept 
kept getting better and better because we'd stay together. We'd find that nucleus of kids and just wherever we could play, we'd play. Are there any names in that nucleus that you think I could, I'd probably know of? Uh, yeah, obviously, um, they still run the pro shop, but the genders, yeah. Casey Gendrus, um, mm-hmm. Chris Zoka, yep. um, Andy Ancone. Yep. Um, I've heard of all these guys. Yeah, there's – did have a good nucleus. Yeah, we, we had some athletes. We had uh, we had some characters, mm-hmm. uh, but we had some athletes. That they, I mean, you when the puck drop, we'd go. Definitely. Oh, yeah. So then talk about that transition to Howard right after. I mean, was there something that caused that, or did you just feel like that was a change you needed to make? Yeah, we had a group that we're, again, just trying to play. And I think Baltimore, just based on the year, we were 92 birth year, mm-hmm. the majority of us. Well, I was a 92. Those guys were 91. Um, actually, when we were filling out the paperwork for tryouts, I wrote a one that kind of – or a two that looked like a one, sorry. And they had just lumped me in with a 91 birth year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So, Unreal. Like, I actually – my number at Baltimore was 91 just to, like, confirm that. So, like, I was a 91 birth year even though I wasn't. <laughs> So like I, that's how I was able to get on some of those teams. Was like just put that. Uh, that's unbelievable. That on that. Nice. So, what kind of got you attracted to go to Calvert Hall when you did? Because I was, I mean, we've had a ton of guests on already that I've played with, but you were uh, before we came. And I don't know. I mean, you can speak this better than I can, but I don't think before you got there, it was as big of a powerhouse program as it's become. Before no, they actually. I think it might have been a couple years before we gotten there might have been like 10 15 years they didn't have a program uh, wow. because they had gotten shut down there was something that happened with the brother andrew cup mm-hmm. um where there was a back and forth and they just couldn't have any support so they had to shut it down for a while um before but, you go on for those who don't know the brother andrew cup is a rivalry game between calvert hall and loyola every year so yeah so that that got pretty heated um <laughs> and i guess they shut it down but shramick actually was uh quote-unquote, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but he was recruiting me from the time I was a mite. Yeah, you're allowed uh, to say it. Yeah, so, so I was... <laughs> What's uh, going to happen now? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So we were skating at Mount Pleasant, actually. They just had, like, a pickup, like a stick and puck, and Shramick's uh-huh. um, dad actually was just watching because they had something going on after for practice, and he's like, yeah, take a look at this kid. Shramick tells the story all the time. He's like, yeah, take a look at this kid. Like, you know. So he talked to my parents and basically sold them on Calvert Hall when That's I was awesome. a mite. Wow. Yeah. So at a mite. Yeah, so it was, oh it was determined then, yeah, that yeah. I was destined to be a Cardinal. So yeah. talk about your experience there. I mean, you get there, he's your coach. What, I mean, from what I've heard, I can only speak on my experience. We had some pretty good teams, but when you were there and it was in its heyday, you guys were disgusting. You actually did something that we didn't do, I believe. You guys won a state championship, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. We, you guys got there more times, but when we got there, we got it. I'd done, rather so. have the ring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't even get a ring, so you're yeah. not missing anything. No, yeah. We, uh, yeah, we had my freshman year, I was injured, broke my leg, didn't play. Yikes. And then sophomore year, we had this retool where we got these guys. Um, it was my buddy, uh, Zach Walls. I've heard, yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike Barbalace, like um, the Palomo brothers, they're, they're big into football, but uh, Tyler Adelsberger is another lacrosse guy, kind of like Flock, and we honestly were just like, you know what, let's let's just have fun. But Tramick and Rumsey, Mike Rumsey was the other coach. They get they basically just said, you guys just play, do your thing, we'll take care of the rest. And, wow, and they, damn, they gave us a lot. So Respect. that's a lot to give to a bunch of high school kids, but uh, yeah, we paid them back. <laughs> so you you broke your leg your freshman year. Talk about how your 
just a different three years going forward until the end. I mean, how how was the progression uh, progression of that? Because for our experience, we weren't as good at the first two years as we were the last two years. And I would like to hear what you know how your team kind of got together to the point where that you eventually won a state championship. Yeah, we had. I would say start from the back end. Our goaltenders. Um, Is it uh, Timmy T- Blount's brother? Timmy Blount's brother. <laughs> Stefan was in net. Nice. Yeah, the. Uh, those eyes would stare right through the shooter. Nobody could score. Oh, yeah. um, and then the freshman, the backup, was Kenneth McLean, uh, yep. who at the time was playing with me for Team Maryland. We all kind of played on the same club team. Mm-hmm. So we would go from Calvert Hall to club. And, it like, it was a grind. It was a lot. That's a lot. Um, that a lot. Yeah. But, like, we had those two in net. We also had um, Adelsberger that was playing D, uh, Yancone. And, like, those guys were playing high-level club, so they're getting a ton of reps, but they're also seeing really good competition. So when we come to high school, it was just, you know. It was, it was easy. Just fun. You just play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was uh, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. So what year, saw, what year did you guys become good, or were you good the whole time? I would say our – it was my sophomore year um, is kind of when everything started. We won that MIAA championship, got the gold jackets. Um, nice. Which is – you got a gold jacket you're in, especially yeah, exactly. being a – Monkey being off a, the back. Right. Exactly. Being a sophomore, having one of those, it's yeah. kind of a big deal. And then when my junior year hit, that's when uh, Kenneth had taken over net. We had a bunch of guys that just got older, bigger, stronger, faster over the summer. We'd do some training and stuff with, with Shramick and the Slushers and those guys, and it just kind of took off from there. Yeah. So what, what year did you guys win the state championship? Was it your sophomore year? Yeah, that? that was yeah. that was my junior year. So junior year. So it was 08, 09. Okay. Um, Who'd you senior. beat? Uh, DeMatha. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no parents were punched? No no, no cops come to the games? <laughs> uh, there were not, similar to how when, when Costa had his thing. No. <laughs> we avoided that. Um, I mean, I will say there was a penalty shot in that game, um, and the – kid taking it actually Casey Thrush a good buddy of mine who I actually just skated with and, and talked to pretty often goes in uh, shoots blocker side and uh, Kenneth blocks it goes over the student section and just starts selling right in front of the student they're spitting on him like they're tossing stuff at him. and it was it was watching it you're like I don't know if we should go over there but he's tough enough to handle it so just yeah. come back to the bench like <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> oh my god that was nuts yeah that's awesome uh is that how the game ended? It was in a. No, we actually walk me through that game because I mean we've talked about the state championship experience. Flock was here about two hours ago saying he's got hair on his back standing up. <laughs> so talk about what it was like when you were there. Yeah, we had. I mean, we had a run where it was, you know, it was probably from November to pretty much February, where we just kind of we found our groove, we turned it on, and it was. I mean, it was literally every every game was a one-goal game. It was close games, whether we were winning or losing. And we just I mean, we just kept knocking these teams off, and we got the playoffs. And I think the best part about it was we were really tight-knit off the ice. Mm-hmm. Like we were, you know, we weren't just like hanging out in the calf. We're, we're going to, to parties afterwards. We're hanging out and, and, and having a good time. And I think that's why we were successful is because we just had so much fun doing it that it was a no-brainer where you get on the ice and it was like, oh, this is easy. Right. So, is there a defining moment from that November to February span, hockey related, where you can remember you're like, okay, this is like, this might not happen again. This is pretty a, a cool experience. Yeah, we played. We were playing Demath and Gonzaga. Um, 
normally they would get pumped. It was, you know, eight, nine, one. And we played a game in December, it was like right before the break, where we had, I think it was like a one goal game. Against and Gonzaga? Against Gonzaga. And I mean, they had two or three guys that played NCAA Division yeah, One, and, and they had some studs. And we were going against them. And I think it was like, th- I think it was 4 3 as the final but just back and forth. Like one of those things where you're like, wow, you don't realize how well you're doing until mm-hmm. afterwards. And, and we lost the game. So we're, you know, we're mad, but right. you time, were in we're it like, for a while. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact of us just competing, I think that was like, all right, we have something special here. Like we got to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to hear a little bit about your little flyers experience. Was that during your high school years? Is that when you started playing there? Cause I, I can't remember if Matt put, Matt did something, correlated with the flyers i don't know if it was called little flyers or junior flyers or what yeah so so matt actually played for the junior flyers yeah he was i think he was 18 you mm-hmm. and my junior year i actually tried out to play on that 18 u team bud dombrowski was a coach there they had a group that was in that 91 birth year that all i think there were like six or seven that ended up playing ncaa division one wow. so i still play pro wow so like that was the guy that was the, and where we lived, I actually lived in Hartford County. So it was closer to go to Philly than it was to go to Rockville, like <laughs> right. all the way down DC with traffic. I mean, yep. so we were looking at both options and we decided, you know, I'm going to try for the junior flyers. Didn't make the 18 U team. I was like one of the last two cut. So I was like, all right, uh, you know, I'm going to go to York, went and skated at York for a year. And then after that went, made the jump to junior so i played junior b my senior year mm-hmm. um for rob mcginnis dal mcginnis's brother wow whoa was what's he like oh he's beauty <laughs> he's like not surprised tough as nails yeah. like just really cares about every kitty coach like do anything it takes to you know give you the shirt off his back kind of guy yeah that was the last one he had i mean that sounds like i i'd hate to like say say more about it but you know, you had McKinnis's brother as your right, coach. I mean, seriously. not many. Uh, that's probably you know a pretty recognizable figure compared to what most of our guests have had. I mean, talk about that year. I know you mentioned before we started you had an injury. Is that when where the injury happened? If you wanna. Yeah. So that was my senior year where I was actually playing. We were playing against Gonzaga, mm-hmm. um, and just a, a weird turn. I was going to to turn uh, away from the boards, caught an edge, and the kid came up behind me looked like I got two-handed and I went head first into the dasher Oof. Um, oh, so my right arm was feeling numb and I was like yeah it's not a big deal it's just mm-hmm. a little nerve thing whatever get up so we finished the game we ended up tying them while I go and play the weekend we play this New York team and just a couple small hits and I'm like you know something's not right whatever so it was probably Sunday evening where we went in I got checked out and they're like uh, yeah you got something wrong with with your back oh god so i was like oh okay like what's going on this you know whatever just play right. through it um so like no you're gonna have to shut it down it's like you're, you're done playing i was like all right it's your opinion but uh, <laughs> you know, thank you but right. no. <laughs> what are you a doctor right exactly so, uh so yeah that was that was interesting um but yeah getting the chance i played that first half of that year um under rob and then pat hannigan was the other guy and, and these guys are just awesome yeah so i mean i I know I have a lot of friends personally, whether it's hockey or a different sport, who have had injuries that have impacted them not only throughout their athletic career but emotionally sometimes. And I don't want you to get into too much detail, but um, talk about, you know, the process of, you know, what that injury taught you. Did it grow your appreciation for the game? 
I mean, I think a lot of people who are listening can probably relate to your story if you want to touch on that. Yeah, it was, it was eye-opening. It's one of those things where you never hear, oh, it's going to be the end, or at least you think it's not going to be that quickly. Mm-hmm. It helped me a ton. I think I gained a huge appreciation of just going to the rink, like no matter what you're doing, whether you're watching a game or you're the one playing in it, it just gives you a lot of perspective and realize there's more to life than just hockey. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where, for me, hit home with the network and this really awesome group of guys yep. that we have and, and uh, girls too where it was just like, you know, you're having fun, but there's only one hour, half hour, you know, hour and a half, two hours that you're actually at the rink or, or playing, you know, the rest of the time you're, you're enjoying time with those people. Right. So the surgery you had, do you mind if I touch on this? You said it was yeah. the same one yeah, that absolutely. Peyton Manning had. Yeah. So they actually, well, I guess Peyton Manning had a couple, um, but the guy who did it right the third or fourth time, that's the guy I had uh, actually wow. right here in Towson. And they went in and put, uh, it's like two, I think it's two inch piece of titanium that is fusing the uh, spinal column together. Mm -hmm. And it basically keeps any of the, um, what is it called? The discs from Mm -hmm. hitting the spinal cord. Because they said I was probably about one hit away from severing it. And then Jesus. Oh my God. Six feet under. So I I lucked out. Yeah. Game of inches, right? (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Um, So, you touched on after that you got into coaching. So at this point in your career, you're graduated from Coward Hall. You're dealing with the injury and recovering, and then you got into coaching. Do you want to touch on how that you know changed maybe your perspective on the game or just what your experience was like in general? Because you're the first person on our podcast who has any coaching experience. Yeah, I would say um, I always knew I wanted to get back, um, no matter how I was going to do that. Didn't really know, uh, but again, it was Mike Schrammick and Mike Rumsey that pulled me in and said. You know, I was going to school at Towson. Uh, they said, you should come and help out. Mm-hmm. I think you'd have a lot of fun enjoying it, you know, whether you want to coach for their, you know, every game or a couple games. Just, And they were really awesome about that, just saying, hey, come help out, you know, get on the ice, stay with the group. I think it was more about just being in the environment and being with, the, you know, with the boys where yeah. you figure out, okay, I, I really enjoy this. I like it. And for me, it, it, ta- it taught me how to prepare. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you know, you're preparing and, you're doing everything leading up to the time at the rink, but you know, at the end of the day, it's only an hour and a half, two hours. You're there, right? Uh, so you got to make sure you have all your your ducks in line before you're, uh, you know, stepping on the ice. So your assistant at Carroll Hall is that when my whole group of guys was there? Because I remember you were on the ice with us. Is that when you initially started? Yeah. So that was the start, um, and then I was helping out a bit at Navy. Um, Mike Tramick was helping down there with the youth program and. I got a chance to do a couple skill sessions where you'd run like the, you know, 50, 60 kids out there and, and you're getting them going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a chance to do that and I loved it. I thought it was a ton of fun. I, like I said, was lucky because I had such good coaches that I was like, I, if I could duplicate or even get half of this, uh, that would be huge for me. And Yeah, I was going to ask, is there a coach that you had that you tried to sort of model your coaching style after? Yeah, it was definitely, um, it was a combination of three. Okay. And that is... Um, Probably the intensity of, of McGinnis. Um, it was a combination of Andy Grimshaw, who coached me as a Bantam, uh, and then Harry Kovalman, who coached me as a Peewee. Um, and I would say the aspects were the intensity of McGinnis. Um, for Grimshaw, it was the methodical. He was very like detail-oriented as far as doing stuff. And then uh, Harry Kovalman just had a ton of fun. Yeah. Like, he was just like, like 
a blast. Like he was one of the, the parent coaches, but he just did such a great job as far as like taking care of everything off the ice and away from the rink that when we got there, we just got to play. So what was your experience at Navy specifically like? I mean, related to just Navy coaching. I coached the women's team, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, so I was I was with the youth team doing some of the skill stuff. And from being there, one of the kids actually that was on my team, um, it turns out that his father was the Deptant, uh, the Rivera family. They're awesome family. Mm-hmm. out meaning he's like the fourth in charge of the Naval Academy, which I did not know that until after. I didn't know that until just now. Yeah, so, so we're <laughs> learning something new. Uh, yeah, awesome family, and they had mentioned that there was an opening, and they were going to recommend me for it. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of went with it, and we're actually on the beach, uh, like right before 4th of July, and I get a call from somebody at the Naval Academy, and they're like, hey, we want you to come in and interview. And I'm like, well, I'm on the beach. Uh, <laughs> so can you guys come here? And they're like, no, you have to come down to Annapolis. So I was like, okay, whatever. So like a couple weeks later, I go on interview, and they called me a couple days after said, you got the gig. Wow. Um, yeah, interviewed our captain at the time. Uh, she, They hadn't gone to club status yet. So okay. that was the first time as full-fledged club status, and that was kind of the missing piece was just to have somebody there to coach. And I kind of took what those three coaches had previous and just said, like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them play. You know, this is obviously the Naval Academy. This isn't just regular college students. Definitely. Where, right. Um, there, there's a little bit more, you know, they're serving after and, and they're, you know, serving for our country. So I think anything I can do to help them and, and just push this program in the right direction because I have some experience, I'll do it. What's it like coaching girls? <laughs> I will tell you right off the bat, uh, it was different. Um, yes, you, uh, meaning I went in and sat down and the director of admissions, um, she said, well, uh, listen, uh, you're a male, you're a young male. Uh, you're not terrible looking. Uh, <laughs> that had to feel pretty good. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Right. It yeah. was kind of like, a, I'm like, uh, okay. Okay. You hired okay. me to be the coach. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm like, wait, why am I here? And, uh, she said, just to give you a heads up, like, you know, you're here to coach and you're here to lead this group. And, yeah. you know, that's it. And that was pretty much the defining moment of, okay, I'm a legit coach now. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah. so you've coached guys, you've coached girls. What's the biggest difference between the two? I mean, obviously, aside from the obvious, like, uh, you know. You can't, like, you know, go, all right, boys. I mean, girls. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But, like, an actual, like, competitive difference. Like, I feel like girls don't get enough credit, especially, you know, girl hockey players are tough. Yes. I would say the difference in the actual games where there's – at least we have like the women's game, there's co-ed, and then there is the boys game, uh, men's game. The The women's game has a ton of skill, but there is also a ton of contact. And hmm. I mean, there's just as much, if not very similar as far as the, the amount of contact uh, in a women's or girls game, just as much as there is in a, a boys or men's game. Really? It's just, you don't see it as much mm-hmm. because, I mean, girls aren't, or women's aren't, skating across the ice and just like, you know, blowing yeah. people up. Right. It's, it's more methodical. There's more of a skill aspect to it. Yeah. Um, but I would say the, the skill sets with both or all three of those are eerily similar. It's just how they utilize it. Are you allowed to hit in women's hockey? Is that part of the rule book? So there's no checking. That's not allowed. But the body contact, um, that's raised. So okay. like we had uh, my captain my last year. Um, she's 6'2". Um, you know, like 195 pounds, every contact she makes is a check or looks like a check. Yeah. So right. she's in and out of the box all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she, of course, loved to do it. But <laughs> right. it's also 
just seeing how the you know how you're approaching it and it's it's a lot of angles and a lot of things that are very similar to the co-ed game um the only difference is anytime anybody blows somebody up or, or right. equipment goes flying they're probably gonna yeah i feel like for us the most you know, prevalent chance to watch women's hockey is either, you know, it's the women's national team. So be it, you know, whatever tournament they do or the Olympics, but you watch those American women and American or Canadian women games. I mean, they're going at each other the whole game. Yeah. Um, it's a battle. Yeah. I think, uh, for us, we would battle our, at least our rival was Delaware. Uh, any games against Delaware, it was, I mean, it was a battle and they would go through, you know, we play them four times a year. And it would be one goal games on either side. There'd be, you know, 15, 20 penalties. <laughs> just <'cause> it's just, <laughs> the, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. They, right. you know, at the academy, I think, gained such an understanding of how you don't get so many, you know, you only get so many games to play. Right. And, you know, for them, they're, they're not going to be suiting up as much once they're finished unless Definitely. whatever assignment yeah. they get, they're able to do that. So, you know, they're playing these games and every game, means more than the last and I think it was fun to, to just be a part of that to prepare and, and just to guide them in the right direction as best I could but most of the time they pretty much did everything it was just me kind of standing behind drawing bad pictures and blowing a whistle <laughs> <laughs> do girls chirp slash scuffle like do you get after whistle shit like in men's hockey the chirps are worse the chirps are oh wor- my god actually I, actually that yeah. does not surprise yeah. I didn't think about that I'm yeah. not surprised it it's ruthless I mean there there were times where like I'd be like, well, what'd they say to you? And what they'd tell me, I would just kind of like shake my head, like, are you serious? Like, yeah. The, like, is it stuff you can repeat or like? Yeah, you don't have yeah. to. Yeah. Well, I'd say the the one that really struck me where I was realized like how bad the chirps were, like, it was in front of the net, and the girl just, I, I was like, what'd she say to you? And she's like, she told me I just I fucking sucked, like I was awful, like a person. Like, like, just literally looked at her and was like, you're fucking terrible. Wow. And if you like, guys could see how wow. Joey's looking at right. me right now, I'm a little like, scared, too. And, and that's what I mean. I was like, I was like, well, what'd you say? And she was just like, I just shrugged my shoulders and skated away. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know you got that in girls' hockey. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, like, just ruthless. But just it like was death stare, like you're terrible. Just really looked at her and was just like, you're terrible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <was just> like, <laughs> okay. Jesus. Tell, you know, how do you really feel? Like, right. yeah, it was just... Yeah. It was it was a bunch of stuff like that, but they it was just relentless. And every time it would happen, at some point, there would be a response, but it wouldn't be with a chirp from our group. It would be like they'd just level them or something would happen. Yeah. They, do, you, they, do you think that, not to interrupt, do you think I mean, that stems from the discipline that coaching, you know, put, you know, for or future uh, midshipmen has? Yes. The goal, we at least I told to any of my players whenever they would come in for our meetings right off the get-go was that um, they are getting four years of mites with the opportunity to win a national championship but their goal is to uh, become an officer and a leader in the fleet and that's awesome we would establish that right off the bat because we had a mix where our top six could play NCAA um, we had our bottom six that some of them had just started um, so right. it was it was pretty wild like we had um our captain my last year uh she actually had a pair of skates that she found in the back it was like the ccm rapid rush (laughs) what (laughs) yeah Yeah. they had never been sharp so we did two weeks of tryout slash training camp and she skated without having her skates sharp what like this is this is the kind of stuff like you know tough as nails 
she went through all the drills. She, I mean, did herbies for the last 20 minutes of practice without skates being sharpened. Wow. That's insane. And was not falling down as much as you would think with somebody that did not have yeah. skate sharp. Jeez. I probably would have fallen down more. I would have ate it. <laughs> right. I, I can Absolutely. barely skate with my skate sharpened. Same. She's doing it without them. Yeah. And I'm like, holy moly. <laughs> so I, I don't want to hammer you too much more about the coaching experience, but I am just kind of fascinated by it. What's the one thing that people don't realize is either the most eye-opening thing or hardest thing about being a young coach who's not a parent? Yeah, I would say for non-parent, it's the amount of work that goes in away from the rink. Really? Like you would be amazed how, like an example is like a like a snow game where it's, you know, it's coming down. We had, we're supposed to come up to Baltimore to play at Mount Pleasant. Well, there was about two and a half, three inches of snow, and there was an accident on one of the bridges on the way up. Well, the game was at 7 a.m. We're on the phone at 2.30, 3 o'clock, trying to figure out a way to get everything canceled official and there's a you know there's a process you have to go through there's just a lot of stuff that you have to do before you even get to the rink where some people would never know and i would say for anyone that's ever had a youth coach you you know you want to make sure you thank them next time you see them because they put in a lot of work really and most of the time they're not getting paid to do it so yeah damn yeah i would have never guessed that i mean i i've i find coaching fascinating and not that i have any type of experience close to yours but it's something that i've thought about but you know, I didn't, I've always thought, I wonder how much work that would actually take. You should, you should get out there. Yeah. Uh, I would say there, there's a shortage of two things and that is youth coaches and then youth officials. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where once you get into it and if you really enjoy doing it and you want to be around the game, it's definitely a good outlet, but hmm. it's also a way to learn. And The game is just getting so much better. Like the skill level and everything. It's insane. It yeah. is. These kids are so fast now too. Right. Yeah. Like, I was talking with somebody the other day, like if our might team played a might team now, we would just get crushed because yeah. they're just they're yeah, so much better. Yeah, it's true. I, I, honest to God, it's true. I, I can't believe how much better and how much more serious youth hockey has gotten. Yeah. Just since I've – I mean, I'm not that old. I'm only 23, and it feels like I was yeah. just you know, playing Bantams a couple of years ago. But in that seven-year period, it just feels like the competitiveness and the seriousness of the game has just skyrocketed. Yeah, I would say when I was kind of looking back – um, and just how the game keeps evolving, you know, like Austin Matthews getting drafted. He's from Arizona where there's not uh, a limit on location anymore. It's yeah, there's right. access to these resources, and the, the game's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier. I think are you, when you were talking about the skate sharpen, you're like, I can't even really stand too well even if my skates were sharpened. I don't think our listeners really realize, and Nick, I'll educate – Guy was filthy. I mean, in the breath of, you know, some of the greatest Calvert Hall players to walk through, you can look up the score sheet that Shramick would update every day to, 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 to give proof of that. Every day. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. You were a really good player. And I was just curious, you know, who? what would you say is the part of your game that really kind of puts you ahead of other people? Because I think it's safe to say you were pretty damn good. Well, I think I lucked out where um, Jason and Eddie Slusher um, who at the time, Jason was still playing pro hockey, played like eight years of pro hockey. Him, uh, Corey Gendrus, who played at UConn, uh, and then Kyle Green, they're all from Harford County. I weaseled my way into their training sessions. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm 14 years old, and these guys are, you know, they're early 20s. 
they're going to the YMCA and I'm just hoping that I can put my small weights on first so that I can do whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and then I also got to skate with them Yeah. to, to watch the way they prepare and to watch the way and just be a part of it, how they were getting ready as if, you know, this is their full-time job, which it, it was, it was amazing. And, yeah. and, and, you know, you're, you're skating with a, a 6'2", 230-pound defenseman who can absolutely wheel. I mean, at some point you're going to pick something up. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I think I've been lucky because, you know, th- those guys were not just, you know, allowing me to tag along. They would also, you know, they're giving me rides to the rink. They're, yeah, they're awesome. including me as if I'm one of their own, even though I was pretty much their butler. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but it was fun. And I would say the hands, I, I noticed that those, they were such big guys. Their hands were so silky. Like they were able to, to, to make passes and to, to shoot the puck so quickly. It wasn't always, you know, about power. That was at the point where we were kind of learning more about how you can be faster and how the game is just getting so much faster. They would work on, on quickness and timing and things like that. And I kind of piggybacked off that. That's awesome. Uh, building off of that, who would you say is the best player you have ever played with or against? Could be either one. Ooh. Um, let's see. I, I mean, I would definitely say anyone that I've played against. Um, played against uh, Tyler Toffoli when we were in. Chi- yeah, I've heard of him. We were in Chicago. <laughs> Ever yeah, heard of him? Yeah. Got, got a decent career. Yeah. Him, and then uh, I would probably say the best players um, that I played with. Um, one is Jared Tenorti. Uh, Dude, he, stop. Really? Yeah. So my best friend from college is date. His sister is dating Jared Tenorti's younger brother. Their oh, dad really? played for the Caps, right? He lives yeah. in Annapolis. Yeah. Jared Tenorti tonight is making his. He just got called up. To he the just Preds. got. I was texting my friend Gary last night. He just yeah. got got called up to the Preds tonight to play in Pittsburgh. The whole family drove up there. Yeah. I want to say it's his NHL debut. I can't remember. Uh, he played a little bit with Montreal. You said and, that, and then with Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's so cool for that yeah what are the so fucking he, odds of that yeah yeah so he my it was probably my 14 u team maryland year um the, the defense were jared tenorti um michael chen who's playing in russia mm-hmm. uh, in the khl um, <laughs> jesus there love were, to get him on <laughs> yeah there, there's there's like three or four others that i'm definitely uh snubbing but um our forward group was casey thrush played at unh um Max Gaudreau played at UNH the same time. Nick Sorkin, who's at UNH. Um, and then, actually, he still plays. He's playing for Coonlan, uh, David Bondra. Wow. Oh, no way. I played against him, I think, actually, yeah. when so, I was real little. Yeah, so our, our teams were stacked at that year. Yeah, you're not fucking kidding. Yeah. It, like, you know, pretty much everybody on the team was playing at some high level at some point, whether it was pro hockey or, or college. That's awesome. Um yeah, and I was uh, I just lucked out. I got to be on the team. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds of the Tenorti thing? I was just I telling know, you about so that funny. thing. He's playing tonight for yeah. his first game as a Predator against Pittsburgh. Yeah, so he's a captain in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but it was funny. We were playing uh, up in New Jersey. Um, we were deep pairing and ended up, it was like the shift right before the end of the second. Um, just a funny hit. Um, ended up breaking. I think he was broken his collarbone. Oof. Um, wow. start of the third, I go to step up and this kid lands on me. This is my freshman year. Kid lands right on my leg. I break my leg. 
So we're in hospital beds right next to each other. But whatever they gave him led him to the NHL, and they were not giving him. <laughs> so I got snubbed in that hospital visit. It was brutal. They gave him the gas. They're like, yeah, sorry. Like, I mean, we just ran out. Well, right? uh, like, you hooked the wrong wire up to me. Right. Like, what's going on? Man, that's awesome. What was Toffoli like? Uh, he actually was uh, – he was a pudgy guy. Um, we actually had one of the better games against the – it was Toronto Junior Canadians which was like the number one team in North America at that time. It was like Toffoli, smith Pelly, the the highest um, guy who was ranked at that time was, uh, his name was John McFarlane. Mm-hmm. And he was like all everything in Canada. Well, Toffoli, I mean, like he just, he, I think we ended up losing 3-1. It was one of the better games that anybody played against them at the tournament. And like he had three of those points. Like it was just like he made yep. this he made this pass like on his backhand that just it went like it seemed like it almost went through the the sole of the skate and the tuck and it just went like <laughs> like the little hole like in, the, yeah. in the blue. yeah yeah it was just so fast and they just tapped it in back door but it was like it was one of those things where you're watching it and you're you're mad obviously because they score on you but you're like that gets that's that gets sick good. damn yeah. yeah wow that's wow. that's really cool uh, what was one of the coolest rinks that you've ever played in have you done the lake placid one i have done the lake placid one okay yeah um i would definitely have to say uh the giant center the old one the old hershey Uh, the old hershey arena that um i lucked out i got to play there youth hockey and we got to play there in college um it was just something about that rink um, when it wasn't completely filled with fog where you had to skate around in between (laughs) intermissions that it it was pretty cool just planning that and looking up and you see his seats and you know like parents are sitting all the way up and the yeah. nosebleeds and I thought that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, who was your favorite player growing up? Mike Madano. Nice. nice. Yeah, My, Mikey Mo with the jersey flapping yep. the wind. <laughs> Tried to emulate that. Could couldn't because he's yeah. obviously really fast. Uh, I was that was my strength, but um, just watching him and especially him being a, a U.S. born yeah. player, like you you know you look to that. So what was your strength, would you say? I I would probably say your hands were your best part. Yeah, we, we played a lot of street hockey, um, lacrosse, baseball, stuff like that. And you just kind of, like, you pick that up. And I realized at some point that speed was not my strength. So I got to be able to handle the puck anytime I get it. And you're not getting it for that long. So you yeah. got to be able to dish it and you know, finish, stuff like that. Yeah, we were talking earlier with, I mean, you know, all those guys, like, you know, all started in street hockey, you know, other sports, baseball, lacrosse, you name it. And that really does feel like it takes your hand eye to a totally different level. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, that um, street hockey ball, the orange one that yep. everybody used with the Milek twigs, the yeah. Milek, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you had the water in it or it was just hollow, the thing was bouncing yeah. around all over the <laughs> oh, place. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. using that, um, we had those wooden stican- Swedish decaling balls. Yep. Oh, Th- yeah. Those would help um, getting in trouble with the rinks that, you know, yeah. test your, uh, Test your patience. Definitely. How would you say that playing hockey at such a high level has changed your, you know, professional life, personal life? What are some impacts that the game has made on you? Definitely the team aspect. Um, when you go from, you know, traveling and being with, with a group that starts out as a group but then becomes your family, uh, it's amazing, you know, when you get into the work world and, and things that you do that you don't even realize you're doing them, but it's just being a good teammate and you know coaches that stress that it's huge and i think that's carried everywhere i've been pretty much that that's awesome you, know, you 
you obviously want to do what's best for yourself and take care of yourself, but to make sure that everybody else is doing well too. If you had to compare your game uh, to an NHL player, current, former, whatever, uh, who would it be and why? I don't know. Everybody's like really good now. I don't know. It might have to be for somebody later. Um, I would probably say I kind of at least tried to emulate like uh, Brendan Leipzig. Okay. A um, little bit of sandpaper here yeah. and there, but <laughs> the ability to finish every once in a while. Yeah. He's got bad. some hands on him. He does have some good hands. It's, yeah. It is amazing to see like the caps and watching them when I you know, first started playing until now, like third and fourth lines are just way different. It's a night and day thing. So yeah, I would definitely not compare myself to anybody now just because they're that much better. Um, but watching the progression, the skill level of the game, is just crazy. Yeah. Cause I feel like it used to be, you know, okay, fourth line, here comes Chris Simon soaking wet to just beat the <laughs> wheels off of someone. Now it's like, you know, those guys are, I mean, the caps fourth line is rolling every game. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it is a little bit different because Chris Simon, uh, he could play, but not to the level I think of no. the, the guys now. Yeah. It's I'd, game. Like if I lined up across from him, I think I would actually shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, he went over to Russia after, and they said he was fighting two, three times a game. And oh, like, Jesus. Uh, in Russia, they were just like, we're still afraid of this guy. <laughs> that happens in Russia, that's crazy. Right. I don't think I give yourself enough credit. I mean, I, I, when when we do these comparisons, right, It's uh, we'll, we'll give names out that – people you know know generally across the league but i would say you know you were always good with dishes um you had really good hands you had good head fakes you always kind of like you know giving the head bob and top i'd say nick backstrom i'd give you that Um, maybe for the flow at some point Uh, (laughs) oh yeah tried to try to duplicate that i mean look nobody nobody that we're interviewing is going to be able to say oh i'm you know austin matthews or something like that right but I'd say play style. You know, you were a playmaker. That was your thing. And I wouldn't say Nick Backstrom has blazing speed, but he's just really smart with his decision-making in the puck. And he's got some craftiness to him. So I think that would be pretty comparable for you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> no, I think it, I will say I liked – like I like watching Madonna. I like watching the Caps now yeah. and, and watching, you know, teams now. I, I almost just wanted to kind of be me. Like I yep. wanted to be Joe Vanakis. It wasn't necessarily looking to – yeah. You know, I want to like, you know, mimic this guy or whatever. I, you know, you'd see stuff and do it, but um, I definitely think it was it was just fun to get out there and, and you know be with everybody and, and you know shoot the puck around every once in a while. Who's the best of the three brothers? Uh, George for sure. <laughs> is he the youngest? George, right. George is the youngest. Yeah, he's still playing. How old? Uh, he's twenty. This is his final year of junior. Uh, wow. Where's wow. he at? Uh, he's in Worcester. I think that's how you pronounce yep. it. Yeah, Worcester with the junior railers. Is that where? Tim Carson went for a little bit. Do you remember uh, that? It was like a scout or some shit? Yeah, that was in – I think that was in Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, but it, same same name or similar name. He's actually um, in Boston or just outside of Boston um, playing the EHL there, and then he's going to make a decision in the next couple months where he's going to go to school. Awesome. You want to do some bonus questions? Sure. Um, you know, we talked about the chirps that came from the girls. Uh, what are some, like, you know, if you could remember a few in your, you know, playing career that you were just like, oh, my God, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard? Um, Al McGinnis, brother Rob McGinnis, uh, definitely picked some stuff up from his brother <laughs> Al. Um, and one of the better ones, because uh, he would yell a lot, uh, he brought the refs over um, and just really calmly, he's like whispering in his ear as the refs watching the game, and he was like, you see what's going on out there? And the ref's kind of like, uh, 
what are you talking about? He's like, you're missing a really good game. He's <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, it's, it looks good out there. These kids are fast. <laughs> and the ref, like, didn't really understand what's going on. It took him a second. Right. And then he skates probably two or three strides, turns around, tees him up. That's so right. funny. But it took him that long. <laughs> that like, makes it so it, much right? And he was just like, what? <laughs> oh so used God. to having him scream, like, <laughs> yeah. change of pace. That's awesome. Oh, that's I love hysterical. that it took a second to sink in. He's right. like, wait a second. I got to throw that guy <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> Um, were you a fishbowl guy or a cage guy? Oh, I was both. Okay. Yeah. Um, anytime there was any nicks that went through the fishbowl is back the cage. Yep. Um, thanks to Bruce Dekaitis, actually, I'm back with the fishbowl now. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm staying out of the corners. And, and the uh, better guess stay tight. Yep. Uh, <laughs> white tape or black tape? Hmm. White tape on the top, black tape on the bottom. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. I like that. And any, then, uh, or no, you go. I'm sorry. So we talked about, you know, Madonna being your favorite player of all time, I would say. Yeah. Do you have a current favorite player right now in the league? Yeah, I really like watching Marner. Yeah, he's uh, sick. Not just because you're wearing his jersey, but yeah. he, um, <laughs> just, you know, not being a, a big guy, not a big guy either, but his skill level. Yeah. Just top to bottom, like he's very balanced. Yeah. It's it's amazing to see those guys play and like, you know, they're, they're just getting better. Yeah, his vision is just unbelievable. I mean, he's just throwing passes to nowhere that people just, you know, they skate right into it, right on the tape in the back of the net. And he can finish, too. Yeah. So, um, Who wins the cup this year? I had the Preds. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, I think they, they've struggled of, of early. Yeah. Um, but they just it kind of has that feel of the Blues last year where they're just uh-huh. kind of I like long. that. Interesting. I think they're going to turn around here in yeah. the second half. And, of course, with Tinner getting called up. There you go. It's game on. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a uh, – stay like a final matchup, Preds versus someone out of the East? I, for some reason, I think it's going to be Preds versus Bruins. Okay. Hmm. I, I could definitely see that I had happening. the Bruins going from the East. Yeah. Yeah. I had Caps versus Vegas. So, I mean, I hate the Caps. I'm a diehard Pens fan. But I like that pick. That's That's yeah. trendy. I like yeah. that. Yeah, they're um, it's again, it just has that feel where they had all those years where they're doing well. Yeah, and it just seems like little by little they they're making little strides, but they're you know every game they're playing and it's close. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely, I feel like most of the stuff we've heard is you know the Avs, Caps. Yeah, that's someone said the Yotes. Yeah, yeah, which I was surprised at, but not a bad choice. They're doing yeah. pretty well right now. They're yeah. at the top of their division. Last question I got for you. Any weird hockey superstitions that you had for yourself pregame or anybody that you know of where you were like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Ooh. Um, I'm going to throw him under the bus, kind of, but uh, he's coaching now in the North American League. Um, Any time before the game, uh, he would go into the bathroom in the mirror and look at himself and, <laughs> and not move. So like the face that just like he's just, right just now, standing which is like, like right, his eyes are open, flat, like not smiling. He would just stand and look in the mirror. And one time, you know, got the guts to ask him like, "What are you, you know, what are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm trying to find myself." Oh my god! <laughs> like, is this a club team? If you know what I mean, this is a club team. Okay. And I was like, uh, I was like, "You're right here. Yeah. <laughs> You're right here. Could sure. you let me know?" Right. And I clearly didn't get it. So. Yeah. Oh, man. That's too funny. Well, Joe, uh, that's pretty much all we got for you. Is there any question that you might have for us or anybody you want to shout out while you're here? I know you're living in uh, Florida now, so we don't get to see you as much. So it might be a little bit until we can maybe get you back on. Yeah, I would definitely say that uh, if Shramick, Mike Shramick, or Mike Rumsey are listening, um, you guys need to get on here. 
Um, I know you guys don't have very many good stories or you haven't won that many games as coaches, but (laughs) you need need to get on here and tell some of those. That would be unreal. I would greatly appreciate that to both mics. Uh, That would be great for us. Uh, But anyways, thank you, Joe, for coming. Uh, We appreciate it. And, you know, you did great. So we'll catch you later next time. Thanks. This has been awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Of course. And thank you to Joey for joining us. Uh, you know, as always, we always appreciate our guests. It's always nice to get some guys on and get us uh, a little more publicity. And he had some great insight, I thought. So thank you to Joey. Awesome guy. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, so now we're going to hop into this week's uh, segments. We're going to start with first liner versus fourth liner. Uh, I'll start it off. My first liner is going to be Ilya Samsonov. Nice. So as Nick mentioned in the State of the Union, big shutout versus the Canes earlier. Uh, he is right now first in the NHL in goals against average with 2.06. And this year he is 15-2-1 on the year with a .927 save percentage. He's been lights out this year, uh, causing a little bit of goalie controversy over in D.C. So we'll see how it shakes out going forward, but he's been hot lately. Yeah, he also started his first set of back-to-back games this past week, so he's getting a lot more time, which yeah, is good. absolutely. Who's your first liner? Uh, no surprise. The grade eight. I don't know why you wouldn't have this guy on your fantasy team, but if you're, I like, if you're an idiot and you don't, and he's, he's available, hot. eight goals in his last three games, you might want to pick him up. Yeah, he's red hot for all the fan doors out there. He's probably a big ticket, but yeah. you know it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the fourth liner, mine is going to be the cat, Alex DeBrinket. Twelve goals, twenty-one assists, and thirty-three points in forty-nine games played so far. To put it in perspective. He's tied with Tom Wilson right now on points. Wow. Yeah, so, tough sledding for the Cat this year. I feel bad. but For a guy that we both thought would be a top five goal scorer yes. this year, he has drastically underperformed. And the Hawks are actually pretty competitive right now. They're not too far out of a playoff spot, so I'm a little surprised by this. Yeah. Um, but he, he can def- flat out play, though. He can flat out play. I yeah. think next year he'll have a bounce back year, but right now he just hasn't looked so good. I agree. Uh, my fourth liner is going to be Joe Pavelski, uh, probably one of the bigger names circulating the NHL offseason this year. If uh, not the biggest. Yeah, he's only got 19 points in 48 games uh, with yeah. Dallas, which is definitely down on where I think he wants to be and I think we thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that power play production hasn't been as efficient for him as it was when he was in San Jose, so I'm wondering if that's part of the problem. But either way, this point total is just way low for this guy. Yeah, I, I, dude, let alone, I think, how many points did you say? 19? 19. I would have thought he had 19 power play points by mm-hmm. the end of the year. So this is just total. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I never would have expected that. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to move on to the gambling picks. Let's do our recap from last week. Uh, fuck you, Florida Panthers. You ruined my puck line. You were up 4 nothing going into the third period. And the Kings scored three goals in the last period, and I'm pretty sure like two of them were in the last two minutes, and ruined my puck line cover, so fuck off. I'm never coming to one of your games again. Your ice (laughs) girls are ugly. Goodbye. Well, that's just not true. (laughs) (laughs) That was just out of hate. So my puck line did not hit. Uh, Predators money line, I don't even want to get into this. I'm an idiot. (laughs) I'm glad you said it. (laughs) I fucking suck. So, Um, And then my under... Or, or my over, rather, I picked the Leafs Blackhawks on Saturday night. That hit. Hawks dummied the Leafs. I think that was, goal total hit eight. The over-under was six and a half. So that hit. So my over-under hit for once, which is usually not how mine work. 
Uh, so I went one and two last week. I apologize to all of you, but you can thank the city of Fort Lauderdale for fucking me. So uh, I went two and one last week. I missed on my puck line, which was the Blues against the Flyers on Wednesday night. Um, I, the Flyers actually look competent, and you know, mm-hmm. shit happens. I think they ended up winning in overtime. They did. Uh, my money line was the Flames at the Leafs on Thursday. That one had me stressing because that was like a nine-round you know, nine round shootout that I think Kachuk ended up scoring the winning goal. But it's always stressful when your money comes down to a shootout. But, yep, big time. Um, but it was nice to get a win there. And then the first under I've taken all season hit, um, <laughs> the Devils at the Blue Jackets. The The line was five and a half, and the Jackets won five to nothing. And... Like, I had to sit through the whole period, like, hitting refresh on my phone. I was like, no one fucking score, please. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Oh, it was terrible. Um, so, yeah, 2 and one for the week and uh, looking to do it again this week. Yep. Uh, I can't believe the Panthers didn't fucking cover that. 4 to nothing going to the third, and they win 4-3. <laughs> I'm like, can you not? Of course they hit the over because that's what the Panthers right, do. exactly. But whatever. Yeah. And, you know, now that I thought the Predators were back, they're not, so – as if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you know the two most popular picks for myself are the Predators money line and Panthers and over. Panthers over, and I was going to say the Canucks puck line when they're at home. Yeah, I love betting that shit. I actually had to bail myself out last night, and thank God they hit that. So whatever. Uh, this week's picks. I'm going to start off with the puck line. So as you might have heard earlier in the episode, the All Star break is this week. So we're dropping this on Monday night, like we usually do. So you pretty much only have Tuesday's games and Wednesday's games to pick from. And I think there's only two on Wednesday. Yeah, there's seven games total to pick from. So this is going to be a little bit of a stretch. Uh, you know, Definitely tread ca- have some overlaps here. Tread cautiously. I would say this isn't our – we don't have a lot to choose from, but we're going to give it to you guys anyway. My puck line pick is going to be the Bruins over Vegas on Tuesday night at the Garden. Um, I think the Bruins are always just close to unstoppable at home. The Knights have been shaky uh, as of late, and you know I think Flory will start, but he really hasn't looked that good lately. Yeah, ever I agree. since his dad passed, I mean, yeah. you know, he hasn't looked the same. I don't think the coaching change is going to jumpstart these guys. So I don't see this as being one of those coaching changes where they come out and just rip it up right away. Yeah, it's not he, like a complete overhaul. It's a very different shakeup from one style to the next. Yep. And after what I saw the Bruins do to the Penguins when they came into town, I'm definitely saying the Bruins are going to cover the puck line on this. So Bruins over the Knights at the Garden on Tuesday. Nice. Uh, I have the exact same pick for my puck line. Like we said, this yeah. is probably going to overlap. Yes. Uh, my money line, I'm going to take the Cinderella Story Blue Jackets over the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday. That game is going to be in Columbus. Uh, Winnipeg has been up and down a little bit more than, like, I would say end of December, early January, they were on our who's hot list. And since probably a week and a half ago, they've kind of cooled down. Uh, if Elvis is starting, hop on it. Definitely. Uh, so I'm going to take Columbus on Wednesday. Uh, my money line is going to be the Wild against the Red Wings on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wild have been fucking up my bets all season, and it's time for them to get me some money back in return. <laughs> I'd say that's probably a safe one. Going to yeah. be a steep steep price, but yes. I like it. Um, am I over-under? You know what I like to bet. I'm taking the Panthers over the Hawks on Tuesday. That is an over-betters dream. That will definitely be at 6.5. Yes. It'll probably be like minus 130 or 40 at 6.5, yeah. but I'm still taking it. This is the two overs that meet to make heaven. 
Yeah, it is what it is. My over-under is going to be the Penguins Flyers over. I don't know if it's because I think it's the year 2011 and these guys are playing each other in the playoffs, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I just get over-vibes from this game, so I'm back on my bullshit. I like that. Yeah. I honestly I, – I do like that. Yeah. I might have to take that. Uh, so that'll do it for this week's picks. And, Nick, you have a mailbag segment from ESPN, right? We do. Uh, I believe Greg Wyshynski put this out. He's one of the senior writers for um, ESPN's – uh, NHL department, all three of the people that work for it. Um, so buy or sell, Artemi Panarin will be a Hart Trophy finalist. Rangers got to make the playoffs, yes. Okay. If they make the so playoffs. So if they make the playoffs, If yes. they don't, then there's yeah. no discussion. What do you think? I'm selling this. I think he'll be close. I think he'll be like that player that everyone's like, oh, like how come he wasn't in talks for it? But I don't think it'll happen. Well, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, so I'll sell it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I mean, it's pretty much McDavid's or McKinnon's, I'd probably lean more towards McDavid at this point in time, but uh, I guess I'll sell it. Okay. Uh, Buy or sell. Stamkos and Kucherov will finish outside the top 10 in goals. Give me a second here. Yeah. I want to look this up. I mean, I haven't heard Kucherov's name at all. At all. Like, so I don't really know what's going on with that, but as far as the goal leaders go, right now, uh, neither of them are in the top ten, and I'm look. I'm scrolling through. I don't even. So Stamkos is number thirty-eight in the league, and I don't even see where Kucherov is. So wow. I'm definitely gonna sell this. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely selling that. They're not. They're nowhere even near the top ten. Yeah, I'm also selling this. I just I don't see it happening, and I definitely don't see both of them doing it. Now to put it in perspective, Stamkos is only six goals away from being top ten, and he's number thirty-eight in the league. So it could happen. It could happen. I just but both of them. No, No, I'm not taking both. Uh, Buy or sell. More than five NHL roster goalies will be dealt before the trade deadline. Uh, No, I don't think more than five. Does this guy know how the NHL works? I think two. I would say maybe even one. There's, I goalies think, just don't get dealt that much. I think the, it's going to be the the kid from uh, New York, Gorgiev. Gorgiev, yeah, he's yeah. been on the trade block. He's going to fetch a pretty price too. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Ovechkin will have the most shots by a player at the end of the season. Uh, I t- to be. Hang on, let's look. This. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Don't worry. So I think I'm buying this one. Uh, well, considering he's first right now. Yeah. So the top. F- the top three are really where you got to look. Yeah. Ovechkin leads the league in shots with 224. Nathan McKinnon is second in the league with 221. And Max Pacioretty is third in the league with 218. And then after that, it drops down to Matthews at like 190-something. Yeah. I just like – for think about that top three. I think Ovi shoots the puck the most out of I, all three of those guys. I would say it's pretty safe to say Ovi's going to lead the league yeah. in shots. I'll buy it. And I think this last one is the most interesting one. Patrick Kane is still the most reliable shootout scorer in the NHL. <laughs> Oshi comes to my mind. That's I was gonna say it's it's Oshi in my opinion, but Oshi comes to my mind. I mean, Kane is money though. He's I mean he's ridiculous in the shootout. It's like pick your poison between those two. You know which is worse, but for a goalie to like stare down and have that come at you, fuck but, the caps. I'm going Kane. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm selling it. I they're both wicked, um, but I still I have to give it to Osh. I I just feel like that. Like yes, the USA Russia performance was all time. But if you said to me, hey, I got the game on the line in the shootout, Patrick Kane, I can't go. I can't go against Kane. You can't pick against him? No, the hands are – I mean, Oshie's hands are out of this world. Yeah. Like, you really can't go wrong with either one. I'm just picking Kane mostly because I feel like he's had more shootout attempts in his career. Yeah. Uh, 
So I'm just going to go Kane. I don't really read too much into that. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's all I have for ESPN buy or sell. I think the only other note I had on here before we wrap this up is the Caps did re-sign Nick Backstrom to a five-year deal. This is awesome if you're a Caps fan. <sighs> uh, shut up. <laughs> um, arguably, in you know, one of the more underrated superstars in the league and has been for the last 10 years. So it's great to see you know Nick stay here. And he negotiated the contract by himself. Yeah, it's pretty bowler. It's yeah, not it's a lot of badass. Guys that, yeah. so. um, I think that is solely down to the fact that, one, both parties wanted him to stay there. And, two, we just love him so much. But Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, much. Uh, so it's good. You know, it's. I think it's like I a 49, I don't know, math. It's like average nine He had, a a nine, he had yeah. like a nine and a half average for five years. Yeah. So give or take a little bit above 45. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's like 9.2 or something like that, AAV. So for five years, I think that's a great deal. Um, that's Congrats. Re- yeah, it's right what he wanted. I think it's right what the franchise wanted. So it's you're, good. You're right half on the power play is now solidified <laughs> yeah, It's now years. safe. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Uh, you know, not a lot happened between last episode. Apologies if I sounded or Nick sounded like we were borderline asleep. It is. We started this at 930 in the morning on a Sunday, and I think, Nick's hurting a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty gassed myself. Not my best performance, I will fully admit. Uh, we also apologize for uh, the slight echo that you might have heard in the Finn Twin interview. You know, we were both aware that, uh, granted, there was not a lot that we could do with that. No, we're not. We had a little bit of a microphone problem. We're not sound technicians, but we're, we're getting... We some, still put it on our resume, but yeah. Exactly. We're getting <laughs> someone else to fix it for us. <laughs> yeah, no, we had one of the mics basically conk out right before the interview, so... We had to use one of our old school mics, and it was picking up sound waves when it shouldn't have. So uh, we apologize for that. Uh, we're getting that fixed, and we are fully aware of it. So going forward, that hopefully won't be an issue. Uh, you got anything else? I'm no, I think I'm good. No? Um, enjoy the All-Star break. Uh, just for those of you who um, don't remember, the skills contest is fastest skater, save streak, accuracy shooting, the women's three-on-three, which I can't wait for. That's going to be That's awesome. That's going to be awesome. Uh, hardest shot and then Gatorade shooting stars. I have no idea what that is, but there's like a new one. I think that <clears throat> yeah. might be the new one. They yeah. did a new segment. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I like when it says like they're all sponsored by something. <laughs> when it says Bud Light Save Streak, to me that means how many Bud Lights can you drink <laughs> and save the cans. So whoever's yes. got the most cans wins. But. Yes. Well, uh, we need to have something presented by Empty Betters. How about that? Right. Yeah. We need to make an Empty Betters drink. I've been saying yeah. this. We need like there's got to be something that you and I drink a lot that we could say, hey, this is an Empty better slap an eb sticker on a natty bow can (laughs) (laughs) oh man so uh you know we're gonna wrap it up here uh merch in the link on the instagram bio go buy it especially if you're a caps fan we got some cool shit coming new yorkers don't worry we got you guys back yeah let us know if there's anything you want to see as we said last week we're always open to suggestions uh, no, Marty, we're not making any sort of NASCAR-related stuff, so stop asking. Um, you know, Just let us know. We love to hear feedback from you guys, and uh, I think that's all I got. Yep, that should wrap it up. And when we come back to you guys next time, it should be the weekend before Super Bowl Sunday, so maybe we'll do something fun with that. Uh, next time we come back will be Monday, January 27th, 2020. A lot of time before that, a lot going on before then, but we'll see you guys later and with out for the class dismissed. I'm not feeling too good myself.